PJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, PK, the question of the morning. BYU's got the home opener Saturday night. Troy's going to be here. It's on uh, ESPN 815. But... There were going to be 6,000 fans there, and due to rising positive tests for COVID in Utah County, now there aren't going to be fans there. Uh, do you agree, question of the morning, do you agree with the order that will not allow fans at BYU's next two home games? Football in the fall, please, at Tim Utes 4 Live says, are they different than any other school in that way? Yes. Because they're playing? They're different than all the other schools. Well, uh, some folks are letting in some fans, right? Around the country, yes, that is so true. Yes. The answer that is, yes, is true. Different. The Cowboys had like twenty five thousand. The uh, the Big Twelve was kind of off last week. And I don't. I watched a little bit of Oklahoma State Tulsa. I don't remember what they had there, but I think some of the Big Twelve games will have fans this week, and the SEC definitely will. How about this? In this wor- weird world in which we live which is a lot of W's there. And BYU's Say that three get, times fast. You love to BYU's going to get the W. Oh, man, I just my genius never ceases to amaze me. Uh, why not move it to Rice-Eccles? Aha! Would fans be allowed there? I don't, I'm like you. I don't understand the whole color-coded chart thing. Yak just flinched like, don't put me on the spot. I don't Salt know. Salt Lake is yellow. Salt so that means fans? Yellow, can- yellow. That would indicate because they had approved 6,000 fans under the yellow. Yeah. And now they're back to orange. And they can do, they can call it a sellout because that's what the U of U does. Oh, wow. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) There's the pot. Now commence the stirring. It's not stirring anything. You look up there, you see empty seats, and they call it a sellout. It's a 484,000th consecutive sellout. I looked up, and it was full. Well, then you didn't look up into the southeast corner because they got silver bleachers there, and it's really clear. Look in almost any corner, but, you know. The the red seats are hard to tell who's wearing red and who's in a seat, but the silver benches are not difficult. Well, especially where we sit. We can't see all the corners. Yeah. I mean, I can't see the west sides. But I can see the east up there, as you said, and they call it a sellout. So what the hell? Continue their sellout streak. Put 6,000 in there, call it a sellout. See, but they have standing room only, and the people who are in those seats get up and they go stand at the 50-yard line. I've heard all the explanations. So. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, maybe who they cares? Do. It's a great environment. I know, right? It's one or 2,000 short. What difference does it make? And oh, it matters desperately. Don't Not you? to me, man. You know what matters <laughs> desperately? The scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> there are other groups of people, though, PK, that it's very... And they've had a lot of success, and they've won a lot of ball games the last couple of years, and that's all that matters, really. They've got an outstanding football program, and they've got a great environment. That's the thing about it. I know some Ute fans, oh, we got to expand. we got to make our stadium bigger. I have been on that stadium floor 5,000 times, and when it's a closed game in the fourth quarter, that place is rocking. Yep. That's <laughs> all that matters. Look, when you look up, man, you could just see thousands of fans that are way into it, and really that is all that matters. So if you want to put – 5000 extra in the South, whatever, go ahead and do it. And, and why not do it if you can make more money, for sure. I agree with that. But they've got a great environment, and they've got a great football program, whether it's a sellout or not. But uh, they, they, they somehow they take joy in announcing. But who, who really cares about that? Uh, it's all about the product that's out on the field. Um, I do feel bad for families who can't watch their 
their boys play and that and, and as I said with David Nixon, you get you let's say you, you dress for four years, right? Uh, and on an average, uh, that's 24 home games. I gave them one more. I said maybe one year they might have had an extra one. You get 25. And for these kids, now David ended up playing in the NFL, so it was a little bit different. But still, I've been in NFL, I've been in NFL games, and I still think when they come out on the field, it's more of a production, more excitement at the college level than when the pros come out of the field because the pros, man, it's all about walking off the field and did you win. And college is just to to a degree, to a large degree, certainly. But I think the emotion of it is at the beginning, and it's so cool to run, in this case for BYU, they got the ramp, right? So they come down that ramp, and then they veer to the right, and they got the cheerleaders in the tunnel, the human tunnel that they have. And it's just so cool to see that that's what they're doing. And and to not have it, as David Nixon said, that sucks. There's no other way around it. It just absolutely sucks because you don't get that many t- chances. And then it's over, man. As quick as it started, it's over. I mean, every year I talk to seniors, I can't believe it's over, man. This is my last home game, and they tear up and all that stuff. And to not have that, even if you, if you miss one, it stinks. And so I feel so bad for everybody involved. I wish there was some way that at least the mom and dads can get in there and cheer and see their sons run out there because we've seen it. We saw it with DeChambeau. He comes around the corner. They got on the screen, Zoom or whatever they did, put it on television there. And he sees his mother and father. What's he immediately do? He breaks down because it's about everything that they went through to put him in that position to succeed. And he knows about it. And this is his first big-time victory. Immediately. It was like an instant. He glanced to his left, immediately reaches for his eyes because they're watery. And that's the same thing here, to see your son run out there and to not have that experience. Nixon summed it up. It sucks. So, do you agree with the order? That is the question of the morning. I agree with nothing. Jeff says no. It's silly. There's plenty of space for 10,000 fans to socially distance in a 65,000 per stadium. You'd think. You know, actually, they weren't even going to have 10,000. Weren't they going to have six? Six. six. Yeah. I don't know how they came up with that. 6,000, you know, that's not a lot. But you can make some noise. 6,000 folks can make some noise. I go back to that... Uh, Oh, we've that, been to spring games there. Oh, yeah. The uh, the bowl game at Utah, Andy Phillips kicked that winning field goal against Indiana, and I'm out on the field down there up at uh, the Santa Clara Bowls uh, Stadium for the 49ers. You know, it's a beautiful stadium. I've been there now a few times. And at the end, they're going down to kick the field goal. There's a lot of noise was generated from a, a sparse crowd. So uh, I, I just hope that they're not making them an example because why do they need to be made an example? Well, I don't think it's specifically an example, but right. the, but the thing is because of the status in the community, uh, you know, it does become a huge symbol because it's a big event and everybody knows about it and is talking about it. Now, there could be who knows how many other events that were scheduled for the next week or two or however long this lasts, I don't even know, that you and I don't know about. They're not the stuff we follow. There's not... Um, all the tradition around it. So just because of its status, it be, it becomes an example. Does that make sense? It I, does, it's, but it's, I hope the original reason, I get your point, but I hope the original isn't 
because let's make them examples. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I, I mean, I don't think that was it, but I don't know. I can't look in everybody's head and heart and what they were deciding. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, it's, it's largely a county decision, I think. Um, not the state officials don't weigh into it. Uh, you know, they do. Uh, but this stuff has been going on county by county, and I just I don't think the people in Utah County want to make an example out of no, BYU. But I've been told there's people at BYU who believe they are, that there's people who don't want to see them because they just want to make them an example. And there's folks saying, well, wait a second, these other programs here aren't playing. Why should they be playing? That, and whether oh, I that's can true see that. or not, I can see I'm not that. investigating that, but that's what I've been told. Yeah, I could. that would make more sense to me than being an example. Well, that would suck even more. Yeah, that... To me, that makes more sense than being an example. The whole, like, well, we're going to show BYU, and eh, that doesn't really ring true. But to say, hey, football's not a safe activity, and all these other sports and leagues figured it out, and they shut it down. How come these guys haven't shut it down? I could see that line of thought being out there. And the reality is all those other leagues and whatever are coming back. Are coming back, right? <laughs> the Mountain West, we're expecting that Thursday. The Pac-12, we're expecting it Thursday. We don't know what dates they're going to pick, but by the end of the week... I don't know about the big sky. I haven't heard anything about that. But Well, I think the, what I'm hearing now is Pac-12 is going 6 or 7. Which means uh, no, no, that October 24 is out. It's so a little that, bit of a compromise. It's kind yes. of November 7 then because that would be four games mm-hmm. and then you can play two and then the seventh game would be the championship game. And you could get everybody a seventh game if you did what the um, – yeah. Yeah. Did what the big uh, 10 is doing, where on the championship weekend, one's going to play one, two's going to play two, three will play three, and everybody will get an extra game that way. And all the TV networks will get an extra game, and as Mark Harlan, right. the AD, told us, a game's worth $5 million. So yeah. in the case of the Pac-12, they could play five extra games and get an extra $25 million if they do that. So I would expect they do that. If I'm the Cougars, I open it up. What are you going to do to us? Well, I, I told you a couple hours ago when we were discussing this that I think that one of the reasons that it's been suggestions and not, you know, mask mandate is really how are they going to enforce that on 3 million people, you know? So try to get people to do it, convince them to do it, coerce them into do it, but don't order them to do it. Lyle does not agree with the stadium being closed. He says the spike was entirely predictable. And harmless. Students back on campus, new roommates infecting their apartments, and high school kids trying to get infected once they found out they'd be sent home if infected. A stadium would not have contributed. You see, I don't think the stadium decision is a a one-off. It's getting caught up in everything else, I think. No gatherings. Steven wonders why the players' families can't can't they go at least. 200 people in a 65,000-seat stadium. It's about a third of an elementary school. I'm assuming there are no Troy families coming to the game. I would highly doubt that yeah. at this point. Coming from the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Well, they just, you could just, when we play away games, your fans don't get to go. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything we've been talking about in this show, the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, Another notch for the Dodgers, but not not the big accomplishment they care about. We'll get to all of that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hey, y'all thought I was playing. You thought I was joking. I'm looking at the dogs calling all dogs. I'm telling you, I'm ready. Are you ready? You got to believe, baby. What we're doing here is iconic, and I want you to be a part of it. Let's go. I need dogs. Let's do this. Deion Sanders, the new football coach at Jackson State. Is that going to work? Give me a list of star players. Who've turned into good college football coaches. Steve of, Spurrier. Yes. Heisman Trophy winner. As a player. National champion at Florida. They won the, uh, what was it then? The BCS title, I guess it would have been in that era. Ended up ranked number one. And more examples. Or he's the outlier. More examples. So there's got to be others. Now you're looking for an excellent player, uh, a noteworthy player, because all of them, to one degree or another, sure. Like Kyle Whittingham was Leach. a Kyle Whittingham was a good, right? Exactly. Yeah, Leach didn't play. Kyle Whittingham was a really good college linebacker. Played a little bit of pro ball, and then went into coaching. Wasn't he? Wasn't Kyle Conference Player of the Year? He's wh- whack Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. But Dion yeah, didn't play a not little bad bit of for ball. a soft guy too. <laughs> Go ahead. Let him have it. <laughs> Now's the time. There's going to be some text oh, I'll messages hear, coming I'll to your phone. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> but if people are only half paying attention, you know, they may not have fully absorbed it. You know, if you double down, land a couple more good shots, then it'll absolutely get to them. <laughs> Otherwise, it might not. Well, the thing about Dion is I agree. He does need dogs. I mean, that, that's, that's the truth, man. And that's one thing Kyle has hammered home over and over and over and over. It's all about the players. We can all sit there, and whether at the practice field, whether we're underneath the south end zones, whether I'm on the road, uh, at bowl games, it's all about the players, man. And he'll just tell you that over and over and over. And he's absolutely right. So, Dion, you do need dogs because I don't care how much celebrity you got. And I don't think the players really care about celebrity. That only takes you so far. Especially in the case of Dion, you know, the, the thing about recruiting 16- and 17-year-olds is how much history can they remember? How yeah, much I were mean, they alive a, for? You he's know? a celebrity now. Yeah, he is, because he's been on TV and all that. And certainly the high school coaches and the parents and the uncles and whoever else has influence in the recruiting process, they remember you know Dion who, you, high-stepping you know as a player. Who, you, right. you know who Dion Sanders is. But uh, Stuart Mandel, writing for The Athletic, says, uh, I do not believe he'll turn the school into a powerhouse. Quite the opposite. It's all but inevitable to end in spectacularly bad fashion points out that he previously founded his own prep academy in Dallas. It was basically a sham academically, mismanaged financially, had its charter revoked, and ultimately folded within three years. Sanders himself was fired at one point for allegedly assaulting a faculty member. Now he's going to oversee another large organization involving academics and young athletes, and you know, compliance with rules. Well, good luck with all that. Does he have the qualifications to be the head coach outside of being Deion Sanders? I think the answer to that would be no. Three seasons okay. as a high school offensive coordinator does not set you up to be a college football head coach. 
Well, I mean, just LGSPN here locally. folks better start talking about that stuff because we heard about Steve Nash and other stuff. You know, you got to – I think that's part of the reason people get excited uh, because it seems like conversation tends to be one way. Yes. And we're, we had the example, you know, with Ty Detmer, his experience was coaching high school, and then he was an offensive coordinator. And the head coach, there's going to be way more organizational details on you. Uh, yeah, but actually it might be better. That's an interesting thought process because... He could have coordinators put game plans together. If you, depending on who you hire, uh, yeah, they, they could uh, overcome whatever deficiency he may have. And, and to a degree, no matter who the coach is, he's got deficiency because he comes up on one side of the ball. True story. And so he's got to be able to – he doesn't have the expertise on the other side of the ball. And then, even if he has the expertise, so much stuff is pulling at you that you don't have time to to get in the nitty-gritty, basically. That's why you're hiring these other guys to, to do what they do. So if you hire an offensive coach and he's the head coach, then basically, like Norm Chow – when he worked with Pete Carroll, Norm Chow was basically the head coach of the offense. Because Pete's running the defense, was on celebrity. Yeah. Well, I mean, was a well, defense. Was, but, plus, he was a celebrity well. in the community. They didn't have the pro teams at the time, at the height of their powers. So Norm Chow had autonomy. So he basically was a head coach. He was just the head coach of the offense, which is an extremely important position. So. Would you be better off, if you don't have the big-time experience as a coach, would you be better off as the head coach as opposed to the coordinator? I don't have high expectations for Dion as a head coach. Don't have that I mean, many football right examples, there. but for basketball examples, they're, they're mostly bad. You know, it, maybe, maybe it'll work out different for Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, but Ewing's different. I mean, Ewing put in the time as an assistant, and, you know, he had, I mean, he's, obviously he's got celebrity and, you know, he's just, you know, awesome playing career and all that. But he, he did the grind as a pro assistant, um, not so much as a college assistant, but that was a more normal thing. I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas coached Florida International for about a minute and a half. That didn't go very well. Um, Mullen, Chris Mullen went back to his alma mater at St. John's. That didn't go very well. We talked earlier this morning about Clyde Drexler at Houston. Uh, it just it, okay. It doesn't. But, it doesn't seem to work. It's, if if this about, works, it's a real outlier. But guys like Mark Matson, Mark Pope, uh, Bobby Hurley. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pope, they all played at high levels. But uh, I think Pope. Oh, really? Pope had the. Uh, um, t- more traditional, like he was an assistant coach, you know, worked his way up. And yes, he did play at a higher level. But that's more of a, um, that's not so much the Dion story. That's more the Patrick Ewing story. Yes, we know you okay, from your playing career. I agree, but I think the Patrick Ewing story is more often than not the story. Right. Steve Alford. Yes, but if Dion, and if Dion had been, uh, uh, if he'd been an assistant coach for six years and an offensive coordinator for the last two, then he'd be more in the Patrick Ewing Pope mold. I mean, 
I understand that, but what I'm saying is there's plenty of guys who played professionally who've succeeded as coaches and were assistant coaches. They weren't just given yep. the job because of their overwhelming celebrity like Dion. That's more than And norm. that's the red flag, is that he's getting this job because of his overwhelming celebrity. Well, let me see who he hires. Yeah. All right, so we got, uh, we got, a, we got a caller checking in. Caller, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I heard prime time and thought I'd call. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Tim Lacombe, former Cougar assistant coach, former Ute basketball guy as well. Tim, how are you? I'm doing well. I uh, just kind of on a kind of old fun excursion. Like I'm actually um, in a little bit of traffic headed to work. How about that? Weird. What year? Yeah. What year are so you calling from? It's 2000. It's 2019 again, man. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, yeah. No, you... but it's nice. I, I don't. I don't get to get out much, but I'm getting out today. This is great. You called me. It's... You called me at the end of the game last night. You were all sorts of fired up at the end of that thing. I really was. Um, you know, look, I and I know you guys probably talked about it ad nauseum today, but I. Uh, I have a ton of respect for what LeBron does, you know, what he is um, as a player. But I just sat I got a little bit in a maze for last night. I know his numbers were phenomenal. But if you've been watching every game, I mean, that was a night off for the Lakers. Like, it was a, hey, we've got a dot on the calendar. We're going to make an appearance. But nothing speaks more to that than AD playing 30-whatever, 37, 38 minutes and having he, – he did finish with two rebounds late. But there was a period where he had 34 minutes with zero rebounds. And it, I don't know, as a guy who just loves to watch the game and study it, it looked to me like the Lakers said, ah, we got this one in the bag. All right, well, you think they got it in the bag then? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Uh, I think they're playing with fire a little bit. I, I mean, they they may beat this team, but I, I'm telling you, I just don't, I can't see this team winning at all. I know when they're really good, they're really good. But I just don't know about this start-stop mentality they seem to have a little bit of. So you think they're in jeopardy against Denver or in jeopardy against Boston or Miami? I just think they're in jeopardy, period. Um, you know, I'm watching, obviously, Denver has nights where they're not very good. Um, they're just not very good at times defensively. You know, man, like each guy, you know, Jokic has got to get way better defensively. Murray's got to get better. But, you know, when they get beat and get shredded, um, they're still trying to play pretty hard. I just felt like last night the Lakers just totally laid an egg in my mind. And I, I know that happens in runs. I know they're ten and three in the playoffs. I know all that stuff. I'm just telling you, as you know, a washed up old guy on the corner, just beware, danger. Um, if you're a Laker fan, if you're thinking this is just going to be a coronation, I, I don't know, man. It's they seem to like to play with fire a little bit. So yeah, I was way more fired up last night because I was probably halfway into an ambient, you know, it was bedtime, but um, I don't know that I have that ambient courage this morning, but 
uh, yeah, it, it was pretty interesting to watch. You overall like what Rondo's been able to give them? I love Rondo. I think Rondo's changed their team. Yeah. Um, I've always been, I mean, you love him or hate him, the guy plays his tail off. Um, when the referees decided for like three minutes not to call any fouls, <laughs> that was actually that was actually really cool Rondo time when it was more like, hey, I'm just going to take your ball, I'm going to help you in the face, knock you down, throw it ahead for a dunk four straight times. And the officials just stood there and watched it, which that's a whole nother. Like, we could do weeks on officiating alone in games. The number of elbows to the face and flops associated with said elbows to the face, how one is a, how one is nothing and the other is a flagrant one, I couldn't possibly begin to explain that. Judgment call. That's I all it, I got for you. Judgment call. I think, I think it depends on who is the receiver of the elbow would be my guess. I think the higher your status, you want to watch something funny, and my son pointed it out to me because he's a diehard Celtics fan. Um, but watch uh, their big guy, Tice. Watch him during a game. He absolutely gets the crap beat out of him. I mean, he's blocking somebody out. They throw him out of the way. He goes up for a shot, take both arms. I don't know what – he cannot get a call. It's hilarious. Just – I, that's kind of the stuff I watch is all that game within the game stuff. Hey, I'm hoping that it's two night 2019 over again because then I'll get an invitation to play golf. Yeah, well, we can still do that. Um, the golf courses are open. I, um, that's my bad. I will rectify the situation and it'll be we'll party like it's 2019. Good. I'll bring the clubs. We just need some more concerts, too, man. That's the part that's bumming me out the most. Well, there's zero right now. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, like, one one little country concert in the, in the park, I would suffice. Just give me something. <laughs> okay, I mean, you're getting ready. You can say <laughs> Go ahead. You're getting ready to die, and you got one last concert. Who are you going to see? That's morbid. It's positive. Everybody's got to go. Are Dave. they alive? Are they alive or dead? Like, can I bring them back from the dead? Okay. No, you get their concert after you die, and you join them. I'll give you both. Okay. One, one well, in the hereafter, and that, one now. That opens up a whole. Okay, that, that opens up a whole new thing. In fact, that's one thing I always make a T chart. You know, try to decide. You know, good, bad, positive, negative. I've done this thing where you know we all. You know, particularly in our culture, we all want to get to the highest level of whatever's after. Um, but I start making a list of the people that I think are going to be there, and it doesn't sound that fun. Like, the right side, you've got Ozzy, and, I mean, I don't know. Something to think about. Um, the, the group I'd bring back from the dead, you know, everybody all back together would be the Zeppelin. That's one band I'd love to see. Um, I think they're my favorite. Uh, right now, um, I've never seen Metallica, and I want to see Metallica before it's all said and done. So, those would be my two. Zeppelin, historically, that's the one I'll be um, sitting on the rock wall watching on the other side, and Metallica for now. Okay, I'd go the Carpenters, 
And Kenny Chesney. And Debbie Boone. What kind Maybe of noise was if, 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 What noise was that? And was that you? That was me. That was just my That was just my high laugh. Yeah. Like Spicoli, you know? Spicoli. Don't you remember I told you love me, baby? Say you baby, 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 yo, baby. If your manager's worth his salt, or your, uh, your if Jake's worth his salt going out, he's going to play some Carpenters. I love you. That's horrible. I really, I really do. do. <laughs> Her voice, my goodness gracious. Actually, oh, I think yeah. PK Stop wants to bring... PK wants to bring Sinatra back. He was going he was going crazy over Sinatra when they played it in the Monday Night Football game. Hey, did you guys see Dave Rice on the Monday Night game? No. The UNLV photo? Yeah. Yeah. They had Dave, my, my boy Dave Rice front and center. They had the, the national rebel team out there. It's cool. So, anyway, I think enough, enough of your time. All right. Sorry. Thanks, Tim. Maybe we'll do this every now and again. I'll just random Tim call. There it is. Like it. See you guys. All right. Bye. Tim Lacombe, a former Cougar assistant coach, checking in. Sniggy, I got one correction. I ain't bringing back Frank because Frank never left. Yeah, this is like an Elvis situation. He's still alive. I was channel surfing during the uh, NBA game during one of the timeouts last night, and one of the channels had the uh, investigation, is Elvis really alive? And they're like, well, so-and-so cashed the uh, Social Security death benefit. And that would send him to prison, so I think he's really dead. I couldn't yeah. believe they made a show out of that. Frank has never left my heart, and if you're in my heart, you live forever. DJ and PK, anything else we talked about that you want to hit real quick? The Dodgers, eight straight division titles. Impressed? Not unless yes. they get a World Series title. Oh, there's something to be said for consistently winning. How many uh, professional teams have won eight straight in their division? Uh, not a lot. The Patriots come to mind in football. The Yankees and Braves have won nine in a row in uh, baseball, and I think that's the record. So the Yanke- uh, the uh, Dodgers are getting really close to that. Um, and basketball, I can't even tell you division champs in basketball. I would have to look that up. I don't have any idea. Well, then look it up. (laughs) Uh, Adam Schefter with a tweet. This is new news. Something new to reward you. And we're getting you up to speed on everything that happened during the show in this segment. But this just came out. Remember when Tyrod Taylor, the Charger quarterback, he was supposed to start, and he looked terrible over on the sideline. He didn't play. Something happened in warm-ups. And it was just the weirdest thing. He couldn't fully explain it. Adam Schefter has tweeted this out. The Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured his own quarterback, Tyred Taylor's lung, just before a kickoff while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs. League and team sources tell ESPN. Yeah? Yikes. Well, I mean, you're going into any, any form of a medical procedure, any, and there's risk involved. Yeah. Something that would appear to be as simple. I'm not saying I'm shocked on that by any stretch. That would explain why uh, Taylor looked so bad over on the bench, even though he hadn't been sacked or hit. That would do it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go!
The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Football Fridays, Coach Mack, Alema Harrington. We're here at the warehouse. Tom Alema said he was a little bit jealous. Well, just a now, little. Having a Lemma deal. <laughs> a Lemma special. Okay. I've got about 10 love seats. Ha ha! Hey, what do you think, Coach? That's huh? just what you need is yes. a love seat. A Lemma does love need seat. a love seat. There is nothing wrong with cuddling on a love seat. Okay, well, I, I cuddle I, with my wife and watch a movie. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. My wife is practicing social distance. <laughs> <laughs> She's been doing that for 25 years, right? I was waiting for Gordon to pop in on that one. <laughs> the Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. Question of the day. Do you agree with the order that won't allow fans at BYU's next two home games? And DJB says... Just don't allow the students to attend. They brought on the flare-up. Long-time season ticket holders and families of the players should be allowed to attend. little logic applied there, PK. But that's not how the whole orange-yellow thing is working. I don't know how the whole orange-yellow thing is working. They change colors so there's no fans at games. Period. That's the bottom line. No, I don't agree. We can go to Costco on Saturday morning, Jeremy says, with a little self-distancing, but we can't go to a football game in a 65,000-capacity-seat stadium, and we can't spread out 10,000 people. Stupid logic! Exclamation point. I, you do get mixed messages there. I, I'd yeah. agree with that. Try to understand that stuff. As someone who goes to the store and doesn't worry about it that much, I would say uh, I'm not sitting next to somebody from three hours inhaling whatever they're uh, exhaling. Well, in you the don't store, I keep. Sit- I keep moving. Quickness. But, okay, well then just have them keep moving at the stadium. <laughs> That's it. You can, come to the game. To you can come to the game, but nobody can sit down. You have to slowly walk amongst the rows. This uh, stadium is way bigger than Costco, barely. Yeah, but. yeah, depending on the Costco, right? Yeah. I don't go to the store, so I, but I, see, I, go, I go to Costco to get gas. And every time I go, the parking lot is usually jammed. Robert says the city of Orm and Provo made the decision by not taking COVID serious and thinking it's a hoax. Now there are consequences. How did they, how can we just label a whole city? It's easy. You just type it in and then you hit (laughs) tweet and boom, you're done. Broad strokes. Yeah, there you go. Now to your point, there's someone in Orm and Provo who is very going out (laughs) rarely, you know, to the store once every other week, big shop, not going to restaurants. Not hanging out. The vast majority of my family lives in that area. Yeah? And your family partying like it's uh, oh, yeah, 2019, yeah. like Tim Lacombe just said? Wild animals. Right? You know. Backyard barbecue, extended family over, <laughs> all the in-laws, smart. 75 people. No. No. We don't have that big yeah. of a family. Come on, let's be honest. Clint says, hey, the youths can't help it if 5,000 fans that bought tickets passed out in the parking lot pregame at the tailgate. It's still technically a sellout. That's a lot of passing out. That's a lot of passing out. That's why that southeast corner up high, <laughs> Clint thinks it's all people who overindulged at the tailgate. Oh, yeah, I really miss that, man. You get there and you sit in the press box and you see thousands of folks streaming over from the tailgate lots, which are basically fields 
the parking lot that is just uh, west of the stadium. There's no tailgating, but they set it up over there at the stadium off a of guardsman and up there, and you could just see it. It's 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 a custom man, and and I want it back. I want it back bad. Jeremy says, "Isn't Rice Eccles under construction right now? It would be awesome to move the game up there. It is under construction right now. You drive by there, go up the hill on Fourth uh, as it twists and goes up the hill and goes by the stadium there. Well, the south part is yeah, yeah. but they were planning to still play games there mm-hmm. and have it be ready for twenty one. Is that what it's supposed to be? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, well." It's not going to be fully finished no matter how many games they play or don't play this season. It may be done earlier because of the lack of games. I don't know. Maybe they can get in there on Saturdays where they weren't. Uh, but the idea being that it's set up for the following season. And, you know, I was there when they unleashed the renderings and unveiled, I should say. <laughs> unleash, and, uh, unleash the they renderings. Were, they were, uh, you know, they looked impressive and the Garfs were there and all that stuff. and. <laughs> And yeah, that's good. that's going to be a fine, fine facility. It's already when you when you consider the views. Now, what they just need to do is play more Saturday day games, so we can really, really appreciate it because it's it's very difficult to appreciate it at eight fifteen at night when it's so dark. But when they have those day games, man, it is uh, as far as beauty. Yeah, it's right there with any stadium I've been in, and I've been in many of them. Brett says, uh, as far as the uh, fans, at, uh, not having fans at the BYU games, it's probably better if it means we can keep games. I'm for it. He'll trade going in person for watching them on TV. Uh, yeah, I get that, but that's, you don't have a kid. That's the, that's the, I, I'm, a, I'm sad for the, for the players that don't, the coaches will be there or they'll go someplace else and coach. Uh, and they've done it so many times. It's, to, to them, it's about the winning. But the player in the college level, it's about the experience. And to be able to run down that ramp for the Cougars, it, it, it's a thrilling experience. And then if that's your son, you want to be there, particularly if he's a senior and getting up there and you're not going to have this experience. I mean, look at all the seniors last year who got at the high school who didn't have the spring sports and just the, the lazy days of your, of your senior year when the last thing you're doing is academics and you pretty much mailed it in and you're, but you're hanging out and your life is going to dramatically change and the prom and this and that and all that stuff got taken away. That's part of Americana. And that class missed out on it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.